Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, this is Joe Theismann, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review as we are brought to you by our good friends at Bonnet Sales and Service. Hey, if your garage door fails, call Bonnet Sales and Service. Route 11 in Central Square, servicing Central New York for over half a decade. Personal and commercial garage doors, the official garage door company is Bonnet Sales and Service. Hey, you can get a free estimate today <clears throat> on your home or your business. BonnetSalesAndService.com and a tip of the cap thank you as well to Stumble and Monkey Brewing Company, Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay, and our great friends at the Vince Aguirre Consulting Group. Log on today to VCGTransforms.com to become a better leader both personally and professionally. All right, it's in the books. Week 14 and we go back to last Thursday. Let's recap the week. <clears throat> in the NFL, the Patriots win 21 to 18 on the road. And this is now back to back horrendous losses for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is, you know, a, a situation <clears throat> where you just can't have this if you're Mike Tomlin. And listen, I know the Roonies are probably not going to fire this guy. And I know that it wasn't too long ago that I said, well, just give him a lifetime contract because he does always keep them in the picture. But <clears throat> philosophy, defense, running the ball, slow it down, play like it's 1950. You can be in it. I give him respect on the one hand for kind of being in it without a powerhouse offense, but by the same token, you're not going to get to a Super Bowl again until you get a powerhouse offense led by an elite quarterback. And it was Bailey Zappi throwing for three touchdowns, by the way, where Pittsburgh's defense kind of wilted, you know, in the big moments as well. They took the big lead, they being New England 21-18 was the final, but they were up 21-10 to at the half, and then it became a defensive struggle. And Pittsburgh couldn't move the ball. Neither team could move the ball. But because the Patriots had the lead, Pittsburgh cannot play from behind. It's just a really ugly game. New England wins it 21-18, to losing to the Cardinals and losing to the Steelers. Or uh, losing to the Patriots, rather, if you're the Steelers. Yikes. Buccaneers beat the Falcons in Atlanta 29-25. to Cannot say enough about some of the throws that Baker Mayfield made. Desmond Ritter was pretty good in, in a losing cause here as well. Uh, White was running the ball great as well, but the Bucks scored a timely late one in the fourth, <clears throat> you know, regaining the lead, and it seemed as though everybody was getting involved, you know, for Tampa Bay. By the way, nobody seems to want to win <laughs> that division. Baker didn't have an unbelievable game statistically, but when he had to make the throws, he did. Um, you know, and Rashad White and, and, and Otten got involved with, with, with touchdowns. Um, and they were really able to run the ball in this game between Edmonds and White. And um, <clears throat> just this was a great a great win for Tampa. I mean, you're on the road any time in the division, um, you know, to win it, it's a big deal. And, and that division's there for the taking uh, for everybody besides Carolina right now. Nobody seems to want to win that thing. The Bears beat the Lions 28-13. <clears throat> to 13. And listen, they're the Lions, so 5-2 and two on the road and 9-4 and four overall. Like, it's still pretty good because they're the Lions. They've had some really, really bad losses this year. They should have lost now twice to the Bears. I'm kind of getting into the part where I don't know <clears throat> like how seriously to take Detroit now, right? Like they're probably in the middle of a um potentially great team and just a show up in the playoff team and lose your first game, right? They're probably somewhere in the middle there. Um Right now, they're probably closer to the show up in the playoffs and lose. Now, again, they're the Lions. This is still a growing project. They're still putting the puzzle together. Um, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, we know, like Amon Ross St. Brown, they've won a bunch of different ways. But again, 
as I've alluded to, I don't anymore think that they're a contender to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC because their secondary is so bad and their tackling is horrendous. Um, Jack Campbell is an outstanding player. Um, he had 10 total tackles, six of which I believe were solo in this game. He's a rookie out of Iowa. Um, they do have some really, really nice pieces on this team. But again, you go to Chicago when you are still battling and in position to get a one seed with Philadelphia, Dallas, and San Francisco, and you lose that game, that's a rough loss, man. And you lost at, uh, at home <clears throat> you know, to Green Bay when you were soaring going into Thanksgiving, and then you barely beat New Orleans on the road. You barely beat the Bears three weeks ago, and you barely beat the Chargers back on November 12th. This is all since the bye week. They've looked really shaky since the bye week. They haven't really looked great since before the bye week when they beat Vegas. Now, the week before that, they got absolutely roaded by Baltimore, but before that, they were winning games convincingly, double figures. I know that they were beating bad teams and all the rest, and you can beat bad teams. I don't want to hear it from people, oh, you beat bad teams, who who have you beaten? They beat the Kansas City Chiefs on the road in the first game of the year and made the statement of the season in week one, right? But the last five games, they're three and two. They've lost two of three inside that five-game window, and... They haven't looked good since before the bye week. So let's see what happens here now. You bring in Denver, then you go at Minnesota. You have at Dallas, home for Minnesota. These are four huge games. Detroit, they got to go probably, you know, I mean, look, one and three does get it done. But I think two and two from a psyche standpoint is going to be important. I don't think they can go three and one. I don't think they can go four and oh. I don't think they're good enough. I think maybe, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, maybe you could say they were good enough. Now, not so sure. And by the way, is 0-4 possible? Could you imagine if they lost out and finished at 9-8 and after all that promise? Yikes. Bengals beat the Colts 34-14. I do not know. Uh, oh, wait. Yes, I do know. Offense, offense, offense. That's what happens when you have Zach Taylor, a really good head coach, a really good offensive mind. Jake Browning is just so cool, calm, and collected. He's almost like a clone of Joe Burrow. Getting it done when it matters. Chase Brown made a defender miss big time. You know, with that 54-yard touchdown, Joe Mixon ran it well. The Bengals at home are a very dangerous, feisty, energetic team. And don't look now, but they're 7-6. and six. The Bengals are in the conversation for the postseason. And that was a battle of two offensive coaches because Shane Steichen is on the other side for the Colts. And the Bengals' defense just completely suffocated them. Browns 31-27 to over the Jaguars. Can we start talking, please, about Kevin Stefanski as coach of the year? This team is 8-5 and five with Joe Flacco throwing dimes like it's, what, seven, eight years ago. He never flinches. He's always calm and cool in the pocket. You can tell he's won a Super Bowl, and he's the third-string guy on this roster. They're going with what? They've missed three or four offensive linemen throughout the entire year, actually, up to five at one point. The Browns are, right now, one of the great feel-good stories in the NFL, and that Flacco-to-Bell connection on fourth down was terrific for 41 yards, and they're doing this you know, the last few weeks here now, <clears throat> Cleveland's defense has kind of been showing some holes without Miles Garrett. They gave up 27 points to the Jaguars. I do realize that they got four sacks. I do realize that they picked off Trevor Lawrence three times. Boy, were two of those horrible. God, Trevor Lawrence, the last five or six weeks here has just looked awful. Um, and 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 is getting railroaded. I, I mean, he can't make reads. And if you, the more you blitz him, the more he shakes and can't can't get himself out of it. Uh, Cleveland can run it. They can throw it. And Juco has has had a really really nice um, you know stretch here. He had two more touchdowns and 91 yards. You know, you never know. I mean, the way the Browns are now. I mean, think about it. Not only are they on their third string qu- uh, quarterback, 
But they, they've been missing Nick Chubb for the entire year, man. They used to be a team that, <clears throat> you know, grounded and pounded to set up the play action. Right now, they're just winning with Flacco and winning with Flair and winning with confidence. They don't have Miles Garrett. This team has missed cornerstone players. They're missing their $230 million quarterback. They're missing a cornerstone generational edge rusher in Miles Garrett and a, and a franchise running back. They are 8-5, and 6-1 and one at home. They've missed multiple offensive linemen. Kevin Stefanski, maybe we should talk about him more as coach of the year. The Saints beat the Panthers 28-6. to How about the Jets? 30-6 to winners over the Houston Texans. They made all the big plays. And Zach Wilson, listen, I'm not, I don't know if this guy's going to last in the league even as a backup quarterback. I don't think he'll ever be anything more than a backup quarterback. But he might be able to just, with that skill set and that kind of like, flash here, flash there. He has some interesting traits as a quarterback. He does have some like things where you go, okay, that's why he was picked that high. And he might just be a lifetime backup quarterback, but he got the job done. Chip on the shoulder going in. And, you know, Brees Hall was active in this game and the Jets defense was just absolutely suffocating a Texans offense, which again, I know that CJ Stroud went down and all the rest, but they were all over him. And uh, it was a great win for the Jets. 100 plus yard game for Garrett Wilson. 37-31 Rams-Ravens game. The Ravens prevail in overtime on Wallace's 76-yard walk-off punt return in one of the more exciting games of the day. This game was back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth some more. I mean, at halftime, you kind of knew. 20-17, to I got it on red zone left and right. You kind of knew it was going to happen. Then all of a sudden, it was a baseball score in the third quarter. <clears throat> three points for the Ravens, two points for the Rams. <laughs> you know, it felt like Orioles and Dodgers uh, in the third quarter, and then of course eleven to nine in favor of the Ravens for the fourth quarter. But then they go to overtime, and the walk-off punt was unreal. You had a lot of great performances in this game. Lamar Jackson being one, Williams running it great again for the Rams. Cooper Cup, a lot of offense, a lot of excitement, a lot of fun, and the Ravens right now are lock, step, and barrel heading towards the one seed in the playoffs where they are 6-2 and two at home. Very tough out <clears throat> in Baltimore. I know they've slipped up a couple times, but hey, uh, overall, I don't think anybody wants to go in and play the flock. I think that's what they're called. I'm not sure. <laughs> in Baltimore. Vikings 3 to nothing over the Raiders. What do you say here? Nothing. You move on. 49ers beat the Seahawks 28-16. to 16. Is there any team right now humming more than the San Francisco 49ers. And I got to tell you, if I'm a defensive coordinator, the head on a swivel thing is absolutely real. What do you do with this team? And I feel like a broken record each and every week. Brock Purdy is definitely in the MVP conversation along with Tyree Kill, probably who got hurt on Monday Night Football. We're going to get to them in a minute. The Dolphins losing a bad one against the Titans. But, <clears throat> you know, it's probably Purdy, Prescott, you know, Hill. I think the defensive guys who we had in the picture, the uh, the Micah Parsons and and, and T.J. Watt discussion, Miles Garrett now, you know, you just look at kind of a lack of production or injuries or both. Um, But the 49ers, remember when they were 5-0 and it was world beaters. They're going to win 14 games. And then all of a sudden, they go at Cleveland and lose, at Minnie and lose, and they lose at home to the Bengals. The first two games, they lost by two points and then five points. And then they lost by double digits to Cincinnati. That was when Joe Burrow was healthy. And it was, oh my goodness, the wheels are falling off. But then they get the bye week. And they had to stew for two weeks about a three-game losing streak. You could not have put the bye week in a better position for San Fran. Not only because it was smack dab in the middle of the season in week nine. 
But because of a three-game losing streak, they had to stew in that. They go at Jacksonville and crush 34-3. They host Tampa win by double digits 27-14. They go at Seattle and crush 31-13. They go at Philly and win 42-19. Then they go 28-16 and beat Seattle at home. This team has been dominating people. And you cannot stop any of their guys. I mean, it'd be one thing, oh, well, you know what? You stopped Ayuk and Kittle, but oops, Samuel beat you. Oh, oh, <clears throat> you know, we slowed down McCaffrey. And, no, 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 no. They're all, all impossible to stop right now. You cannot stop any of these guys. And the speed and the power and the control and the balance and the footwork and the hands of Debo Samuel right now make him, in my opinion, <clears throat> along with Tyreek Hill if he's healthy, right? The most dangerous player in the NFL. He gets that thing in open space, forget about it. Seven catches, 149 yards, and a touchdown. You can throw him wide receiver screens. You can throw him on the boundary. You can put him in the slot. You can do reverses with him. You can do anything with him. Then you got Ayuk. I mean, for God's sakes, him and Ayuk had a combined 13 catches for, let's do quick math, 269 for 275 and a touchdown. George Kittle, 376 and a touchdown. Those three guys all averaged over 20 yards per catch. 21.321 and 25.3, respectively, for Samuel, Ayuk, and Kittle. I mean, their offense is impossible to stop. Christian McCaffrey had 145 yards on the ground. What do you do? And then you've got Drew Locke, good luck. At first, he looked okay, and then they just got crushed. It was 14 to 10 at the half, and then it was, you know, it, it was San Francisco. You know, they won by 12, but really, um, they could have won by a lot more. Drew Locke throws a couple of picks. I mean, you just can't win a game in San Fran with Drew Locke. You just can't. And Geno Smith was out in this one. Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Kinlaw, Gregory, Farrell. Seattle's offensive line's horrible. They're crumbling overall. Geno Smith is injured. The Seattle secondary is a disaster. I mean, an absolute disaster. Witherspoon went down in this game. Seattle's crumbling. And the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. That's it. They're the elite team. Then there's a couple of really goods, like Baltimore. And whoever, maybe Philly still. Dallas, I think. They have potential to be elite, but I need to see more out of the Cowboys because it's not January yet. I mean, this 49er team is humming. Bills win 20-17 to in Kansas City. Great win for Buffalo. They're back into the playoff picture. We know the deal, obviously. The lateral with Travis Kelsey throwing it back to Tony was called back on an offside. Um, you know, Tony lined up wrong. He had lined up wrong the entire game. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid losing their collective minds uh, when it happened, just after the game, and then into the press conferences and the day after. Um, everything that we heard from an embarrassment, you know, by the NFL – Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame stock is 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 in danger now, according to Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes wants consistency, which is hysterical, uh, because you know they didn't call it all game, and all of a sudden, you know, they've called eleven of these things this year. He hasn't seen many of them in games whatsoever, um, and then all of a sudden they just called that against him. He wants the players to decide it. He doesn't want the officials to take it away. It's embarrassing. All these things that we heard. That's that's nice. It was a penalty. They warned him a bunch of times, and then they finally called it. How about you line up right if you're Tony, you know? I mean, he's he's cost him a couple of games now. Look at the Packers game. It's penalty after penalty with this guy. He's careless. He seems to not care. And Andy Reid saying, oh, we didn't get a warning? Are you kidding me? Oh, hey, I'm about to go rob a bank. Can you warn me and tell me if that's wrong? Is that a crime? Oh, you didn't warn me? Okay. I just robbed a bank and got arrested. Damn you. Why didn't you tell me? 
That's literally what Andy Reid is telling us. And <clears throat> both of them were child uh, children in this. They were they were acting childish, uh, stupid behavior, and it's mind blowing to me. Um, Patrick Mahomes saying, "Well, you know, we want all we want is consistency. Really, that's cool, dude. Because there wasn't any contact called as PI the entire Super Bowl last year, but then they all of a sudden decided to call contact with Bradbury, and you got gift wrapped another Lombardi Trophy. So." Deal with it. Deal with it. Meanwhile, the Bills, I mean, Josh Allen, you're up 14 and nothing. He throws a terrible pick. But overall, Josh Allen was making those unicorn, crazy, unbelievable plays. Put his Superman cape on. Did his thing. I, I could have used some more James Cook in this game. Um, the Bills, you know, they used some Shakir, some Kincaid, etc. Um, you know, wide receiver screens and plays. Murray, Cook, etc. I mean, that one tiptoe point two yards away from the, the sideline and Allen made that play to Murray. A lot of people thought Murray didn't catch the ball. I disagree. He caught it two foot, feet down. Almost seemed like he had almost a third down. I don't know what's happened. Uh, challenges, replay, all these stupid things uh, have created the human element to go out of it. Um, I just think officiating has gotten so bad because we've added more. We've added more replay. We've added more challenges. We've added more this, more that. Slow down circles, uh, freeze frames. Uh, it's just gotten so bad. I'd rather have the human element and have people screw up a couple of times. And I got to tell you, and, I, and I've been doing this with people on text, social media, whatever. I don't ever remember a time, NBA, NFL, college football, baseball, growing up in the 80s or 90s and going, Oh my goodness, remember when, and then fill in the blank of like when we had a call that like that's all we talked about and it perhaps decided a game. Like we don't, we, we, I can't, maybe Jeffrey Mayer with a Jeter home run, but again, that's a best of seven series where you can get a bad break, but you still have an opportunity to win the game. And oh, by the way, the Orioles were tied late in that game. Um, yes, it was a home run or run. Yes, it was. But the Orioles still could have won that game. They still could have come back and won the series in a seven game series. So, um, I just think we have too much of the stuff that I mentioned. It's too much replay, too much, too many flags, too much, you know, too many challenges, too much freeze framing, uh, too much of all this stuff, too much replay. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, people don't even know what it catches and the rules analysts, they have no idea what they're doing, but they're getting paid too much money to talk on TV for no reason. Um, it's just stupid. But I, I thought the bills, you know, they did a good job late in this game. McDermott got away with a couple of the over blitzing, which he did against Denver, New England, the jets on and on it goes Philadelphia this year. But, uh, he got away with a couple of them, you know, and then a couple of the others, he, they just executed, right? And they really did rattle Patrick Mahomes. I thought the last play of the game, for example, was one where the Bills really, really got after him and they made uh, him you know, have to get rid of the ball up over the top and there was just nobody open. They couldn't find anybody. Um, and you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's probably twofold, right? It's probably the fact that the Chiefs wide receivers outside of, you know, in weapons outside of Kelsey are horrendous and they can't get open, uh, whether it's Rasheed Rice or Edwards Elaire or Tony or Valdez Scantling. I mean, these guys are just not good. Um, and, and it's probably the fact of, you know, the, the, the blitzing got to them and all that. Um, but I would have rather seen, you know, Joe Brady's offense was not that great in the second half. The play calling wasn't, uh, I, I didn't like it at all. And McDermott, you know, has let Brady do his thing, which is fine. Once in a while, maybe McDermott wants to get in the in, in into the head, uh, the uh, OC's face and say, hey, maybe you want to try this. That did get the Bills into trouble when he did it with Ryan Dable, right? Because, you know, you, uh, hey, run, run the ball downfield. We got to, we got to run north south. And the Bills at the time didn't have the personnel, right? They didn't, <laughs> they didn't have the running backs healthy. They didn't have the personnel. They didn't have a healthy offensive line to be able to do that. Um, 
once in a great while, though, again, every situation is different, every game, every strategy, every everything's different. It's about that day, today. Uh, every week is so crucial in this league. That's what makes it so popular, part of what makes it so popular, uh, in addition to the betting and, and the TV product and uh, fantasy football and all those sorts of things and just the, the, the outright passion and diehard fans that we have in the sport. Every week matters so much, so much to the tune that you know the Dolphins lose on Monday night, the Bills go into Kansas City and win. All of a sudden, the division is all in play again for Buffalo, right? If they win out and the Dolphins go two and two, the Bills win the AFC East. I mean, that's where we're at after all the horrific losses by the Bills this year. They're still breathing that narrative. That's right. But I thought the Joe Brady offense could have used a lot more James Cook, a lot more Josh Allen running, a lot more Ty Johnson. Maybe not as much Latavius Murray, but um, <clears throat> the Chiefs run defense has been brutal for the last five or six weeks, and they really could have run the ball a lot more. The Bills have a Stephon Diggs problem because he can't catch the ball now all of a sudden. He wanted all these targets, and he just can't catch it. Four catches for 24 yards. Ugh. 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 Horrible. Gabe Davis had no catches in this game. So eventually, if you're going to make another playoff run, I would think that you need Diggs and Davis at some point. Uh, the Bills' defense only had one sack in this game, but they were in position. They did their thing. The Chiefs' defense also was outstanding overall in this game. It was a defensive game, 20-17. to 17. However you slice and dice it, you got to give Sean McDermott credit in a trying week. Um, and I'm not going to dive into the Tyler Dunn stuff here. I've already talked about it enough. Tyler's a friend of mine. The article was completely okay to me, completely accurate. Um, it does not, just because they won in Kansas City this past week, it does not mean that McDermott's flaws have gone away. They're still there. And in fact, there were a lot of them in this game where he burned timeouts. I already mentioned the over-blitzing. He got away with a couple of them. <clears throat> Those things happen in sports. But overall, you go into Kansas City, and I don't give a flying rats you-know-what if they don't have Tyree Kill anymore. You limit Mahomes, Reed, and company, and Kelsey to 17 points in their home ballpark? Yeah, you take that all day long. I thought Sean McDermott probably put together an 8-game minus uh, game plan on defense. Broncos going to LA and win 24 to 7. Don't look now, but they're one game behind Kansas City for the AFC West lead. Russell Wilson did enough. I thought the Denver defense, this was easily their best game of the year. It did help to not have Justin Herbert in there, but all of a sudden now Williams is running it. The play action's working. Denver's playing smarter. Sean Payton, game management, it's all getting better for the Denver Broncos. Remember when they were left for dead. Cowboys 33-13 to winners over the Philadelphia Eagles. This was complete domination. This is what you're waiting for if you're a Cowboy fan. They're now 7-0 and at home, 10-3 and overall, 33-13 to winners over Philadelphia. An outstanding win for the Dallas Cowboys. Now they go into Buffalo, and look, they've just become an offensive juggernaut since Mike McCarthy took over the play calling after he fired Kellen Moore. I mean, where do you go? C.D. Lamb and Ferguson at tight end. You've got Dak Prescott, uh, Pollard. These guys are absolutely flying around. They're scoring points. They're a ton of RPO, play action. Dak can roll out of the pocket. The Philadelphia defense, they got problems, man. Tackling, spacing, and coverage. They're not good in those three departments, and really... Where this game went south for Philly is they weren't able to run the ball from the get-go. They got behind 24-6 to at the half, and then they tried to play catch-up, and they need to be able to run the ball with some RPO with Jalen Hurts and giving it to DeAndre Swift. And when you can't run the football and you're Philly, you can't get the ball in those pattern plays that you want with A.J. Brown, who got garbage uh, garbage yardage late, um, you know, and Devontae Smith over the top. You need to have more of a ground game to execute the offense the way you want it executed. Uh, Dallas right now is on fire 10 and 3 overall 7 and 0 at home their schedule Philly schedule um <clears throat> Philly schedule is a lot easier the rest of the way 
uh, more easy, uh, far easier than Dallas's and San Fran's uh, for that matter. Uh, and we'll see what happens from here. But for for now, this was a game where you know again Dallas usually pounds average teams and below average teams. They beat a really good team in Philadelphia, finally. Two more games to recap, Monday night style. We'll do that on the double dip. I hate it when there's two games on Monday night football together. It's absolutely stupid, but I'll recap both of them next here on the ML Sports Platter, brought to you by Stanley Law Office's Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State and our great friends over at the Vince Aguera Consulting Group. Become a better leader both personally and professionally with the Vince Aguera Consulting Group. Log on today to vcgtransforms.com. That's vcgtransforms.com. The Vince Aguera Consulting Group is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, man, do I have the best deal for you. How about going with my friends at Bet Online? This is one of the busiest times of year college football, NFL, 50% off your welcome bonus today with Bet Online. Head on over to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag. It's a 50% bonus up to $1,000 with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. B-L-E-A-V, BetOnline, BetOnline.ag is the website. BetOnline, where the game starts. Fall is simply football season, and fans across the country are hoping that preseason hype leads to postseason success. In the NFL, we'll see if early Super Bowl favorites like the Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, and Bills can hold off up-and-comers. And college football fans are wondering if Georgia will make it a three-peat or if top-ranked challengers like Michigan or Florida State can take home the national championship trophy. The college football and NFL seasons are defined by big plays, injuries, and coaching decisions. As a football fan, I also want to hear about the behind-the-scenes and off-field stories that shape the season. The football interviews and topics you hear on the ML Sports Platter are shaped by lessons learned at St. Bonaventure University. The online Master of Arts in Sports Journalism at St. Bonnie equips reporters and hosts for digital storytelling across the sports world. Students learn how to tell compelling stories through digital and traditional platforms. They are also encouraged to envision the future of sports journalism with their capstone projects. This 100% online degree builds on decades of academic excellence, and I'm a proud Bonnie, and I can tell you that you can join me in a growing list of notable graduates, including the New York Post's Mike Vaccaro and ESPN's Raina Banks. In fact, you'll hear from an accomplished alum or industry expert during video masterclasses in each course. Contact an enrollment advisor at sbujournalism.com. That's sbujournalism.com today to learn more about the online Master of Sports Journalism. That's sbujournalism.com. Two more quick ones to recap here on the ML Sports Platter. The Monday night football double dip. The Titans beat the Dolphins 28-27. What a just colossal, disastrous loss for the Miami Dolphins in this football game. The Titans are up 10-7 at the half. They're up 17-10 in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter is wild. It's as wild of of a... finish that we've had in the NFL. You had five this season. You had five scores in this game. Uh, when it was 13 to 10 at the half, uh, it goes uh, uh, 13-13. It goes Dolphins field goal, Dolphin touchdown, Dolphin touchdown. With three minutes, a little less to go, the Titans go down the field, nine plays, 75 yards in less than two minutes. Just complete collapse by the Dolphins defense, 27 to 21. And then, oh, and they went for two as well. 
And by going for two, right? Because, you, you know, it's 27 to 13. It could have just been 27 to 20. But the analytics come into play now where teams like to go for two because if you get it back and score, you don't have to go for two to get the win. Well, that's exactly what happened. The Titans got the ball back and they went four plays, 64 yards in 26 seconds. <laughs> and Derrick Henry capped it with a touchdown and they win it 28 to 27. And absolute, I, I saw the gambling odds were like one in whatever it was. Uh, let me let me read it because I got a couple texts um, with that. But like, what a terrible job executing by the Miami Dolphins. And I thought that the Mike McDaniel stuff was awful too. You know, his play calling and all the rest. So it was a one in 767, the historic night in Miami, according to Barstool Gambling. Teams down 14 points in the last three minutes since 2000 and... 16 after t- after that night's Dolphins and Titans game. It's 1 and 7 67. <laughs> so, uh, unbelievable stuff there. McDaniel probably could have run the ball a little bit more. They probably could have used some possession a little bit more. Um, again, you're up two scores with less than three minutes to go at home. This should not happen. And, you know, I thought that Miami was vulnerable to lose a game or two down the road, whether it was in the cold or some other reason. Wasn't buying in all the way. Tyreek Hill got banged up in this game. Um, but I didn't expect him to lose this way. And all of a sudden now, people are really, 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 really doubting the Miami Dolphins. But let's see what happens in this final stretch. But this was a horrible loss. And you know what? You might say, well, the Titans stink. This They still have all-world you know, these are still the best football players in the world, right? You still have DeAndre Hopkins at one point, not too long ago, was considered one of the best wide receivers in football. You have Derrick Henry, who probably is going to waltz into the Hall of Fame. He's not that Derrick Henry, but he's still pretty darn good. I mean, he was still running through people in this game. He only had 34 yards, but he had two touchdowns. And there were a couple of runs where you're like, good Lord, but you just can't give it to him 30 times anymore because he's not that Derrick Henry. Um, you know, and it's Monday Night Football, man. Every person grows up watching Monday Night Football. If you're a football player, you grow up watching Monday Night Football. And once you're on that big stage and your team is not going to the postseason, that's your Super Bowl. Speaking of which, Tommy DeVito. Oh my God. He was supposed to come to Syracuse and be the heir apparent to Eric Dungey and all the rest. He had some moments. Think Florida State. Think the double OT went over North Carolina, hitting Ravian Pierce in the back of the end zone at the Dome. I was doing post games at that point. I remember calling for him to be the starter. Probably was one of the biggest mistake things I've ever said. But at the time, I did think that the offense was going to benefit more from a deep ball, a better, deeper, accurate throw. Turns out Dungy, you know, again, he was injured off and on his whole career. Um, But he was the better athlete and he was probably overall the better player. But as far as a pocket quarterback, 6'2", size, strength, all the rest, 6'2", 220, whatever he is. I thought, well, better, deeper, accurate ball fits the offense better and all the rest. Here we go. Then he goes to Illinois after the transfer. He asked for one more year uh, of eligibility, was denied it. Then he goes undrafted. He's a free agent, and he's riding the bench. Oops, Daniel Jones, eight, you know whatever the huge contract is, they're paying him $40 million a year. He gets hurt. Terod Taylor gets hurt. Insert Tommy DeVito. Giants are 2-8. and eight. Season's lost. Over. Boom. Win, win, win. Now there's Italian flags hanging with his face on it. There's a tailgate party led by his dad. Hundreds of people go into that. There's autograph sessions with Tommy DeVito at local establishments getting, you know, somewhere between, I think I saw 1,500 and 2,000 people. Uh, and they've got literally the second version of Linsanity in the New York, New Jersey area. And he literally is going to practice 
with his team, and then he goes home, and he lives at home with his parents. And laundry, dinner, it's like he's in high school again. So, listen, you can't make this stuff up. I don't know if there's sustainability here or not, but for the here and now, it's pretty cool. I think DeVito's a cool dude. I think he's a good kid. It's like Sopranos football right now with his agent and all the rest and his parents and the family and the Italian group and the food. It's just cool. And it's one of the most famous franchises in NFL history, one of the most famous franchises in all of sports history. And the Giants somehow are breathing playoff air. They have a chance. And oh, by the way, Tommy DeVito was the one who was cooling all the heads after Saquon Barkley fumbled and easily could have lost the game with that fumble. Nope. Tommy DeVito, boom, 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 boom. 133, two timeouts. That strike to, I swear to God, that dime to Wondell Robinson was absolutely nuts. We know he has the arm strength. We know he has the size. And we know that there's some football IQ up in that head going back to his four-star prospect days at Don Bosco, one of the most famous Northeast high schools you know, that there is for football. So this guy, there is something there. There was something there at Syracuse. Dino Babers and the coaching staff, didn't really maximize him, I guess. Transfers to Illinois. He had unreal moments at home and on the road in front of big stage crowds, 100, you know, 80, 90, 100,000 people. And there's still something there with the New York football giants, but I don't know if it's sustainable. But again, if you're living in the moment, it's pretty cool. For DeVito, for the fans, for his family, for media people covering the team, it's cool. It's really cool. And I'm rooting for the kid. I'm sorry. He's a feel-good story. The Giants are in it. Football is always going to be okay no matter if the big markets are in it or not in terms of the NFL, but when the big markets are in it, and it's specifically the Giants, it's even greater. It doesn't need the help, but when they are in it, it's even greater, which is hard to think about. So good for Tommy DeVito, and let's see how this Giants team finishes up. A couple of tough games remaining. You know, you got Rams, Eagles, etc., but I'm, I'm, I'm flipping it on now for Tommy DeVito. I really am. I'm watching the Giants because of Tommy DeVito. Cardinals and Commanders were your two teams that were off, and that is your Week 14 NFL recap. ML Sports Platter, thanks for listening. All over the major platforms, we are brought to you by CH Insurance in your corner every day, every way. For business owners, employees are an important asset. Competitive employee benefits can help attract and retain staff. CH Insurance provides high quality group health plans and great provider networks while keeping costs in check. I switched to CH Insurance. They're outstanding. It was one of the easiest business transactions I've made and their ongoing service is phenomenal. CH Insurance, in your corner, every day, every way. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.